that's a couple of Blackfoot covers right there from our good friend Ron Keel with uh, Train Train and uh, Peter Cetera, former lead singer of the band Chicago with uh, Living in the Limelight. And uh, that discussion with Ron was uh, probably one of the best we've ever had, Chris. He's good. He's always fun. Yeah, he's always a good dude. And, uh, you know, and, and I and I said it during the interview, and I mean it, uh, you know, um, Ron is always welcome to uh, be third mic on the show anytime he wants. He called me right after. Apparently, he's having a power outage. All right. So his power, that's why our screens went black, because his, his lights went off before his internet caught up. Oh, that's all right. I mean, we, we got him right at the very end, and, uh, you know, we uh, finished out like pros. That's what I said. I even said to him, I said, well, at least you got the plug in. He did. <laughs> he got it all in. He said, at ronkeel.com, boom. <laughs> <laughs> and out. Yeah. But uh, that was a lot of fun. I, I always like to hear from Ron. He's got a lot of insight. He's got a lot of thoughts. Uh, you know, the guy's been in the business for, you know, 30-plus years and, you know, right. recorded a lot of records and has gone through a lot of different incarnations from, you know, the band Keel to being Ronnie Lee Keel to the, to the Ron Keel band to the Badlands House band to... You Iron know, Horse. Iron Horse. Yeah, of course. I love the covers record. It, it's really, it, because I was a Southern rock kid, I was a Southern Southern rock fan. You know, he literally hit me hit me where it counts. All those songs are great. Train and Rockin' Into the Night. You know, I, I love that shit. So, really yeah. good stuff. Well, I mean, obviously, that was the, the uh, pinnacle of commercial radio if you will i mean that would that was like the uh, uh you know i remember seeing those ktel uh commercials mm -hmm. on on tv where it was they would they would put those compilation records together southern fried rock leonard exactly. skinner you know? <laughs> and they would put like one song from like leonard skinner or allman brothers or or um a Marshall Tucker band or Southern right. fried rock. <laughs> yeah. And I just remember the early eighties, 81, 82, 83, like through about 85, you couldn't, you could not turn on commercial radio and go two minutes without hearing a 38 special song. 38 special was everywhere for about like three years. And then they went, then they went away, but you know, they, Dude, they have, how many hits did they have in those three years? Fifteen. Yeah, and you know, even even bands like Tom Petty tried to capitalize mm -hmm. on that too. Yeah, but Tom Petty wasn't as good. No, I'm not saying that he was good, but my point is, is that he tried to capitalize on that on that wave. Yeah, at that time, and and the, you know, the thing is, is that uh, Marshall Tucker, Leonard Skinner, um, uh, Allman Brothers. Mm -hmm. They were at Blackfoot. They were at the top of their game uh, during that era. You put Foghat in that category or no? Uh, they're right on the edge. Yeah, marginal. Yeah, because some of their songs feel it and some of them don't. Right. Yeah. Yeah, they're a little too metal, I guess, for, for Southern rock. Sure. But but all those bands that, uh, you know, originated in uh, Southern Florida, Alabama, Tennessee, you know, they, they kind of 
it's kind of weird how music in general uh, seems to, you know, focus on a certain um, demographic or an area like like, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously L.A. had a lot of probably the most influence. And then, of course, you had the Bay Area, which our good friend Bob Nelbandian, he's going to release a uh, um, inside metal for the Bay Area Godfathers. And mm-hmm. then, and then you had the Southern Fried Rock, and you had the New York influences, which you you know guested on uh, the Skull Sessions to talk mm-hmm. about the New York uh, influences. Sure. And you know, one of the things that we talked to our good friend Bob Nalbandian about was uh, the Midwest influences, you know, especially Cleveland, mm-hmm. because Cleveland had a lot of rock coming out of Cleveland. Sure. And, uh, you know, people, people like our good friend, Bill Peters was very, very influential in that with his label with Auburn records. Mm-hmm. Of course. So, so each area of the country sort of contributed to a certain genre mm-hmm. at, at some point in time. Right. Of course. So, you know, and, and the Southern, the Southern rock, the Southern fried rock, uh was was very big in the late 70s into the early 80s right yeah oh yeah so if you like that kind of stuff uh you'll enjoy the uh, ron keel uh release uh south by south dakota yeah it's a great record i i i really enjoy it it's a it's i i've played it probably 15 times i really really enjoy it it's out on um our good friend bill shavis put it out on high volume music <laughs> all right there you go. And just to give you, uh, for those of you who might be interested in this kind of thing, mm-hmm. uh, they do a uh, Creedence Menly. Yeah. Uh, they do uh, Fire on the Mountain, which uh, Ron talked about a little bit. Uh, Flirting with Disaster, Molly Hatchet. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ghost Riders in the Sky, The Outlaws. Um, let's see here. We've got uh, Mama, Don't Let Your Babies Be grow up to be cowboys which is uh uh waylon and and uh willie 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 Ram- nelson yeah rambling man uh we also got uh rocking into the night Eight. and uh train train which i played and then of course leonard skinner with uh red white and blue yeah. so so you know it, it covers the gamut of that era it does Yep, very good stuff. Yeah, and it's quality. It's good uh, production, great quality. Yep. Of course, Ron is a great vocalist, and mm-hmm. I'm not saying that because he's a friend, but because he really is a great vocalist. Yeah, he can sing, that's for sure. He does. He's, he sings very well in, in any uh, you know genre that he chooses to cover. So go get it. It's called uh, South by South Dakota, the Ron yep. Keel Band. Yeah, stop being cheap, you fucks. Y'all got free fucking money. Spend 15 bucks on it. <laughs> Go get it. Yeah, fuckers. Yeah, pal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, you, you've you been on a uh, jag this week or, or the last few weeks, actually, of uh, interviewing bands. I've been killing it, huh? 30 yeah. interviews, 26 days. Yeah. Well, you know, again, I would love to uh, participate in some of these interviews, but obviously these people want to do these interviews during the day. And, 
you know, I'm still gainfully employed and I'm not saying that as a, as a brag, but I still go to work every day. So I, I am not locked at home and can't, you know, I can't participate in these because, uh, a lot of these interviews happen like right in the middle of the afternoon. Right. So since you work from home and you have the opportunity, you just grab it up and go run with it. Yeah. I've been tearing them up and because of it, you know, you know, dude, and, and it's the old adage, man, that, that we've talked about a bunch of times is I do not want to be behind anybody. And everybody has the same opportunity right now. Every podcast has the same opportunity right now, or most of the podcasts have that opportunity to do a bunch of interviews, which will strengthen their show. And as far as I can tell, I'm probably the only one that's doing every fucking interview. <laughs> You know, I, I haven't seen anybody else putting out bunches. That's, right. that's for damn sure. And, I, and and you know what? This is one time I'm going to say you're goddamn right I'm bragging about that. I do that on purpose because I want to stand out from everybody else. Yeah. Well, you're 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 putting out about an interview a day. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Uh, pretty, pretty much uh, consistently you've been putting out an interview a day. And I know yeah. that the interview portion of this show or what we offer as far as content is concerned is not the most popular mm -hmm. uh, contributions, but there are some people out there who really do enjoy that stuff. Others they go, eh, you know, I'm not, I'm not interested. The interviews bring in new people. That's how we get a lot of our new audiences. People hear it. And it might not even be now, you know, like Tesla, people may not listen to the Tesla interview right now, but they might listen to it six months from now when they're just trolling YouTube and they look and they say, Oh, cool. Jeff Keith. And they'll listen to it and they'll be like, Oh, what a good interview. And then they'll listen to something else we do. And they'll be like, Oh, these guys are dicks. <laughs> it's like, what is, I can't believe Jeff actually talks to these people yeah. because he's better than that. Because these guys are assholes. Jeff said such nice things. And then they said about how women are pigs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah pal <laughs> well i i have not had the opportunity to listen to the jeff keith interview so how did that go how how was the uh you know the jeff yeah how was the tone with that i was good he you know him he's he's the eternal optimist you know and um my the big thing and i know the fans were wondering if i was gonna if i was gonna sack up and and you know ask him about shock and about shock being influenced by Def Leppard and ask him about the, the fan backlash to it. And I did. And I told him straight up that I was, you know, I, I said to him, I said, look, this thing's gotten a lot of, a lot of flack and I'll be honest. I'm one of the people that gave it flack. You know, I told him straight up. I didn't want to be, there's nothing worse for us to get an interview again than if they hear us fucking lie to them. <laughs> Okay. You know, if, All right. if, if I would have gone on with Jeff and said, Oh my God, dude, shock is incredible. Yeah, it's, no, incredible. it's the best stuff you've yeah. ever done. You guys are better than ever with this. <laughs> you know, if I'd have done that and then he heard us ripping on it, right. you know, like, cause you know, you know, damn well, every artist has their name set up on a Google, you know, a Google alert. They have their name set up in it. And if he would have heard that, then we're shit. And then he won't do the interview with us next time. So he did the interview and I just told him flat out. I said, look, didn't like it. Told him which songs I didn't like, told him which songs I did like. You know, there's a couple songs on there that are okay. There's a couple of songs on there that I think would fit any record. And I told him that the mission, 
don't know. I, I doubt you've listened to that album enough to to get it. But the song "The Mission" is one that would fit on any Tesla record. But then the California summer song, or, <laughs> yeah. or "Taste This" or whatever tastes like, you know, those songs are just absolute dog shit. You know, and, and, and I told him that and he was cool. You know, he was he was low key. I think he appreciated that. I told him straight up, not a fan of the record, but I still let him talk about it. And I, you know, I asked him if he felt the backlash and he said, yes, he said, of course he heard it. He said, you know, most fans that talked to him didn't give him shit, which, gee, that's a shock. But, you know, he definitely said that he heard it and he understood that they were doing something different. And he understood that it wasn't something that everybody was going to like. So it was, it was cool. It was cool. I, I, I like Jeff. I, I really, I really enjoy him talking to him. You know, what's crazy. And this will, this will crack you up. You know, when the last time I interviewed Jeff was, I had to look it up. You've interviewed him the last two or three times that we've talked to him. You did solo ones. The last time I interviewed Jeff Tate, Jeff Tate, Jeff Keith. <laughs> was for um the bar seven record okay that's what 95 yeah it was yeah boy it was boy that's a long time ago dude that was when i I, the when i interviewed him for that i was writing for scene that's how long ago it was that i interviewed jeff keith and i and i went to see the bar seven show at the odeon the, this Great was, record. Yeah, this was after uh, you know Tesla broke up and Tommy Skio and, uh, and Jeff Keith yeah. were playing together, and uh, I had the opportunity to hang out with them after the show, mm-hmm. and you know, of course, the the you know the fan the fanboy question was this, and I'll never forget this as long as I live. I'm standing there talking to Jeff Keith, and I'm just got is uh, is Tesla done? Or is this just a break or what's going on? And he said that the gate was left open and that horse has rode out into the sunset. That's what he told me. (laughs) That's what he told me. But fortunately, uh, they got back together a few years later. But uh, it it seemed a shame to me at that point that, holy shit, Tesla just might be over forever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they definitely came back. They've been back together now longer than that first segment. You know, they've they've been back together what twenty five years. Yeah, at this they point. they've been they've been back longer than they were together from the first time that they got together. <laughs> exactly. But but here's the here's the funny thing, and some people may remember this, and some people may not. Yeah. But during the heyday of Metal Sludge, mm-hmm. they set me up to talk to Jeff Keith and do a metal sludge 20 questions with him. Okay. And they were playing in Pittsburgh. Okay. And I was on the road as a truck driver at the time. All right. And I literally had to pull over into a rest area to call Jeff at a certain (laughs) time to interview him over the phone for metal sludge for metal sludge. And they set me up with some homophobic questions. <laughs> and I I was just like, okay, I'm gonna for I'm gonna, you know, forge ahead and I'm gonna ask these questions. Right. But, but I know that this is not gonna go well. Right. And I asked him some questions. I can't even remember. It was so long ago. 
but they asked me to ask him, like, have you ever touched another man's penis (laughs) and things like that, you know? And, you know, he was just like, next question. And then I'd ask him another homo question, like, has Jeff Keith ever kissed another man? (laughs) And he was just like, you know, better than that. What, what is up with these questions? You know, it was questions like that, but I asked him anyway, and I was just like, okay, I'm going to risk having this guy hate me forever. Did you use your name or did you use oh, your no. he, you know, no, 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 no. I used my name oh, good. because, because it was set up through the classic metal show because I was doing the CMS. Jesus Christ. No wonder we have trouble getting Tesla on. <laughs> They probably but, remember. Yeah, but but that's the thing. It's just that they, you know, Stevie and, you know, the Metal Sludge crew, Sean Card and such, yeah. were using my credibility as a, quote, unquote, a real radio show mm-hmm. to, you know, nail down these interviews. Right. And they would, you know, and but the thing is, is that my association with Metal Sludge allowed me to interview some pretty cool people right and you know obviously one of them was jeff keith i got to interview um uh geezer butler cc deville yeah cc oh boy that was a big (laughs) that was a big debacle that was the biggest debacle yeah that that went on for weeks yeah but my i thought you were getting sued (laughs) yeah but my point is is that Whenever they would send me out or allow me to do these interviews, mm-hmm. they they would key in on some of the um, uh, Achilles heel, I guess you would call it, yeah. of mm-hmm. some of these artists that they knew was their, you know, th- you know we I don't fly with that. But right. they, they would give me questions that would breach that. Mm-hmm. And, and I would ask them and it was just like, yeah, what the fuck is this? Why are you asking me that question? You know, and it's, you know, Jeff Keith is like, yeah, I don't fly with the whole gay thing. Right. You know, did you ask fucked up questions to geezer? Uh, they, I don't think they gave me fucked up questions for him. To be I honest, say, with I you. I even, even me who's ballsy as fuck. I don't think I'm going to ask geezer if he ever touched another. No, man's dick. They, they didn't. I don't think they sent me questions that were, you know, controversial. But right. for, but for Jeff, there was like two or three questions in there that were very homocentric, <laughs> and, and I asked him, and he was just like, "You know better than that," right? You know, he he got a little testy with me, Tesla with me, <laughs> testy. <laughs> <laughs> but but I've hung out with Jeff on probably three or four occasions. Mm-hmm. And he's always been really nice, and of course, so uh, you know, we we had a fan in Tommy Skio there sure. for for a while. I mean, obviously, we haven't been in contact with him in a decade. You know, but I've been in contact with Tommy's people anyway in the last month. Really, we are going to get Tommy on. Tommy has a new band and a new record. I, I saw that. And, and I have talked to his people about getting him on. So, so we, even, even at this point, Tommy has people. Well, he has a guy, you know, it's hanger <laughs> guys. It's hangers on guys. I think it's just the drummer to be fair. I, I don't want to shit on the guy. Totally. I think he's the drummer in All the right. band. 
Well, again, but, we, we enjoyed having Tommy do a CMS takeover show. Jailbait. But that mm, was a jailbait. long time ago. That's the all-time classic clip of him saying, do you have that handy I somewhere? I do, I do. Let me, let me pull it up here, see if I can find it real quick. All right. He just starts on mm, young women, young girls, jailmate. <laughs> like a jailmate. Total fucking creep. <laughs> uh, let's see here. <laughs> Got to be honest. I don't think I have that. All right. I mean, I have it, but I just don't have it handy. Well, it's fine. It just, it just, I just remember him just absolutely creeperish. Well, it was really funny because. You know, the commentary made about me specifically mm -hmm. about me. You know, I thought to myself, Neely, what kind of a name is Neely? And then Chris told me his his first name is Wendell. And then I thought, oh, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Good choice, Neely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, talking. what the fuck, Wendell? <laughs> Just so funny. Tommy was great. He was He was great. He was easy to work with. That's why I wish he wouldn't have just disappeared for a long time because I, I could have seen him becoming a regular on the show. Easily. Because he is very funny. He's he's a lot of fun, man. But but what was really funny is that when we interviewed him prior to him doing the takeover, mm -hmm. he was just like, you know, I, I think that you guys actually get me. I, I think that you understand. <laughs> it's like we're like Dr. Phil or something. Well, we weren't asking him, so what's it like to play with Jeff Keith? That had to be great, right? <laughs> yeah, we didn't ask him any of those questions. No, we were just we were just asking him kind of like real personal questions. It's like, yeah, you know, you kind of guys kind of get me. You know, I, yeah. I really feel like you understand where I'm coming from. Yeah, he's good. I like him. Yeah, I do too. We'll get him back. And I, and I have been talking with, the I think, the drummer, somebody in that camp. Right, his people. His peeps. Well, why don't you have his people have lunch with your people? Oh, that and would then, be me. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can kind of set this up and, you know, have, have Tommy come on the show. You know who you know who our people is, right? Me. <laughs> <laughs> when people ask to talk to the classic metal shows people, I'm like, right here, dude. Right. Here I am. Well, when people want to talk to the manager, that's me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm going to send a letter to your manager. All right, go ahead. Have you taken off the air for your thoughts and opinions and your your outrageous commentary? Uh, let me give you that. It's P.O. Box 1251. You know, <laughs> send it there. Attention, manager. <laughs> so funny. People are stupid. They are stupid. Yep. That's why we hate everyone. Amen to that. Yeah. All right. Uh, you you sent this over earlier since we were talking about doing interviews. Yeah. You spoke with uh, guitarist Mitch Perry this week. I did, yeah. Uh, if people are not uh, aware that uh, Mitch Perry worked early on with a couple of our good friends. Mm hmm Do you know who I'm talking about? Well, Ron Keel for one. Well, he worked with him, but who else did he work with? Uh, uh, our good buddy Bobby Blotzer. <laughs> well, no, I'm way before that. I don't know Aerosmith. Uh, I don't know. He's worked with about a billion people. No, he he's worked with our good friend Ralph Sains. 
Oh, has he? Yeah. He was in a band with Ralph really early on back in the 80s. Did not know that. Seven percent uh, solution. Oh, he was in. I, I remember that band. I didn't know he was in it. Yeah. And he worked with our good friend, Sean McNabb. In what band? Same band. All right. Uh, Mitch has been around. He's worked with Lita Ford and, you know, a, a, a ton of people. Yeah, he's been with a bunch of people. I, I think he still plays with Lita. Uh, I know right now he's playing with Sweet. Okay. He said that that because he he mentioned in the interview that the Sweet gigs were canceled. Well, so he's his his most current outside of the Mitch Perry group, the new record, is with um, Sweet. Right. Well, Mitch Perry is kind of a guitarist for hire guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, you you spoke with him this week. I did. Mm-hmm. So what were you conversing with him about? Well, he has a band, a new record called Music Box, which is called the Mitch Perry Group. And I sent you the link. It's a pretty cool record, actually. If you like, if you like barroom rock, it's just what it is. It's like classic rock. It's just, you know, it's the shit that you would listen to at a bar while you're drinking. Drinking shots and chasing it with beers. Dude, why, why do you have to say it's the shit you would listen to? Because it is the shit that you would listen to. <laughs> is it shit, though? Well, you know, it's it's okay. <laughs> All right. I mean, it's good. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Well, but... it's, just, it's just classic rock. Yeah, just straight up rocking shit. You know, I like it. Okay. <laughs> you know? Shit can be good. If it's the shit, it's good. Right. And I would say this is the shit you listen to. Okay. I, I like it. But yeah, we were talking about Music Box. And even before you play this clip, do, do you have that link that, that I sent you? I do. Click that link. They do the oddest cover of the Stones' Jumpin' Jack Flash. Okay. It literally, I didn't even know it was a cover until like the third time I listened to it because it's so rearranged and so different. And I, you know, I was like listening to it in the background. I wasn't looking at track names or anything. I just had it on and I didn't notice it until like the third time through. I was, you know, when I was getting ready for the interview, I was like trying to pick out some names of a couple of songs to talk to him about. I was like, holy fuck, Jumpin' Jack Flash. You've got to be kidding me. And I listened to it again. I was like, wow, what a. What an interesting take on that song. All right. Well, let's play, let's play some of it. All right. Play a little of that. Obviously, it's uh, slowed down a lot, quite a bit, yeah. and and they throw the uh, Hammond B three, mm-hmm. uh, you know, keyboard in there. Right. All right. In a Do you know who's on vocals? Uh, I can 
tell you in a second. It is um some guy. <laughs> yeah, I know. I kind of recognize a guy. <laughs> some dude. But but it's very uh, kind of a bluesy. It's kind of a very bluesy take on uh, Jumpin' Jack Flash. Yeah, it's real different. But but it's slowed down, way down. Mm-hmm. All right. I don't know. Some guy. All right. Let's play some England. more. Keith England. All right. Here we go. I was raised by two deaths. to be honest with you, I kind of like it. Yeah, I like it. Oh, don't get me wrong. I'm not shitting on it at all. I like it a lot. I just, I I listened and, and listening to it as background music, I did not even pick up that it was the Stones. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, obviously the tempo is really different. Mm-hmm. And the vocal style is different and the whole organ thing. You know, I, I, it's it's cool. This whole album is cool. If you want to, dude, you can pick up a Pick, pick through some of it. Play like um, play like Saint Valentine. Play a little of that. Give people a good taste because I like this record. It's called Music Box. Ah, fuck, Music Box by the Mitch Perry Group. All right, I knew a girl who had a music box. Mm-hmm, a tasty music box. Exactly. Here we go. <laughs> that sound like to you small faces no that's to me no this is what it sounds like to me (laughs) 
Sound, yeah. Sound familiar? Does. Now, let's try one more to see if it sounds familiar. Give me 7 o'clock by the Choir Boys or London Choir Boys. All right. I don't know if it's called Choir Boys now or London Choir Boys, but the song was, It's 7 o'clock, time for the party. All right. That song's sort of the same, too. All right. Let's check this one out. All right. London Choir Boys, 7 o'clock, you said? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Seven o'clock's not coming up for them. Can't believe that's not the number one tune from them. Surprisingly not. Come on. Really? Let's see here. Go through another uh, search here real quick. Nope. Not oh, coming up. I'm going to send you a link. Oh, there we go. Seven o'clock choir boys. Yeah. Do you not know this song? Uh, I probably do. I say this was a hit in the 80s. Even I remember it. Some reason I can't pull it up. Hold, please. Hold. I'll copy. Which email you got open? Both. Send to the CMS Neely. I got it. Here it is. I got it. Sounds very uh, Rod Stortish. Yeah, exactly. Like faces, small faces. Ex- exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So many of those songs sound so much like. Yeah, they do. I don't, you don't know that song? I do. I do now that I'm listening to it. It's been a long time since I've heard it. I was going to say, I would have swore you would know that one. I do know that one. the Mitch Perry song. All right. Let's see here. Chipper said he wants to hear more Black Crows, by the way. All right. He said, for the love of God, please play more Black Crows. <laughs> okay, Chipper, we will. All right. Best.
All right. All those songs very similar. They are. Yeah, the, the, the Mitch Perry record is very good. Yeah, I, 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 well, I haven't listened to it, but just from those uh, couple of clips we played, I uh-huh. think I think I would like that quite a bit. Well, you have the album. Give it a listen during the week. I will. Very good stuff. All right. Well, so you uh, interviewed Mitch Perry. I did. Which, uh, you know, he's out there promoting like a lot of other people since everybody's kind of shut down. Nobody has nothing else to do. They talked to Chris Egan. Now, before we even get into this, yeah, I want everybody to listen very clear. Jackal, I'm speaking directly to you. Uh oh. If I see one more deep purple reference in that chat room, I'm going to throw you out. <laughs> one more deep purple picture, one more Richie Blackmore picture, one more deep purple album cover. I'm going to boot you. Yeah, pal. End of the story. You see yeah. my you see my name lit up in red at the top of the page? That means I'm an administrator and I have the power to just boot. That's it. I'm flexing. I'm you done. Guys can't see. He's flexing his muscles over here. He's like, "Fuck yeah." I'm I'm do- I'm done with the Richie Blackmore. I am so done. With the deep purple. <laughs> this has so been going on for months and months and months. I am so fucking done with it. All right, so he poses that. <laughs> That's all I got to say. There you go. All right. All right. So anyway, you spoke with Mitch Perry this week. I did. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, one of the topics that came up just cause I had a little time with him was his time in the, um, in the Bobby Blotcher's rat, which was very brief, actually very brief. <laughs> How many shows did he play with, uh, with Bobby? Not a lot. I mean, what, maybe 10. I don't, know. I don't, I don't even know if there's that many to be honest with you. Because he was like the replacement to the replacement, wasn't he? Yeah. So I I think that maybe he played two or three shows at the most. Wasn't a ton. I do know that. But he was in that mix. So I asked him about it. And yeah, though he really didn't have a lot of love for, for Bobby Potzer's rat. Well, I like the fact that you actually brought it up. Oh, why? Why wouldn't I? No, I, I wouldn't. I'm not saying you wouldn't, but I just love the fact that you actually made it a part of the interview. Of course. Dude, got to do something to get on Blabbermouth. Of course. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, uh, Mitch Perry apparently was not a fan of being part of Bobby Blotzer's lineup of quote-unquote rat. Oh, he's wait till you hear it. He literally says, I didn't even tell anybody I was in the band. <laughs> <laughs> of course not. I mean, it's not really a band, is it? Well, he'll he'll address that. All right. Well, here we go. Talk a little bit about the the rat experience because it just seemed like it was so much turmoil, and almost to the point that what you guys were doing on stage almost got lost in the mix. Yeah. Well, you know, th- this is a funky question. I mean, you know. Bobby 
I, I've known all those guys since before they were rat. I like the fact that he said this is a funky question. <laughs> it's already like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I was hoping nobody knew. <laughs> okay. You know, I mean, we go way, way back, and that's everybody in that band. Um, when Bobby called me and asked me to do that, he offered me decent money. I knew all the stuff that was going on between uh, all the guys. Mm -hmm. And I said I would do the gig, but I also kind of kept it at arm's length because, you know, I mean, from my mind, even though I was out there playing rat songs and it was boxer, you know, it's not rat, right. whatever anyone wants to call it. I mean, you know, it's, it's so because of all the, peripheral bullshit it wasn't as an enjoyable an experience as it could have been the other guys in the band uh brad and uh josh and, and stacy were all great guys so on that end it was it was fun to play those songs with those guys but you know i i, I just kind of stayed out of being i did never post hey i I'm playing with Rat here. You know, I showed up at the gigs and and played them and went home and tried to stay out of uh, out of the uh, <laughs> the insanity. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I I had a much meaner word for it, but uh, yeah, it, it was just uh, you know it was a short period of time and and it was fun to play those songs. I got to tell you, I always loved Warren's playing. Sure. Once I had to learn his stuff, I hated it. <laughs> That's that's saying a lot. I hated it. Yeah, I, I I learned Warren's stuff and I hated it. <laughs> you know, you know who you know who I would love to see the reaction from Warren. No, our <laughs> friend John. John who? John Levin. Oh yeah yeah yeah. He I would mean, never. Yeah, he would well, never come on here and do that. But but he loves Warren D. Martini, and I, you know, and again, I I'm a fan of Rat. I love Rat, mm -hmm. and and you know, Warren along with uh, uh, Robin Crosby mm -hmm. were a a team. Yeah, and <laughs> to hear him say that I listened to the Warren stuff and learned it, and I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. It is funny. All right. But but at least he was honest. And that's what I like about the interviews that we do is that somehow, some way, whether it's you or myself, we get people to say stuff that they would never say on anybody else's radio show or podcast. They get comfortable. That's what it they is. They do. That's the whole thing. It's just like, yeah, I can kind of let loose and really speak my mind here. And it's just like, yeah, I, I hated Warren Martini's part rat. Yeah. All right. Hear that on other interviews, I'm quite sure. All right, here we go. Hey, what, why did you hate it? Because it was difficult to play? Or because because it was so, yeah, so good. He, he's got a really, really incredible, unique way of phrasing. And so it, you really, you know, there's certain gigs. Okay, like when I play with Sweet, mm -hmm. I love it because I don't even have to think twice. Right. Without what I do with the band, yeah, because, because their guitarist is not like one of the top of the food chain that you remember. You go, yeah, isn't that the guy from Sweet? Give me some sweet. Can you give me a little sweet? I don't even. What, what's a sweet song? 
Well, they they obviously did Fox on the Run. All right, well, that when I hear that, I always think, man, what incredible guitars! <laughs> but that's kind of my point: is that Sweet uh, were one of those bands that maybe you wouldn't go, yeah, isn't that the Sweet? Sweet is what basically just riff guitars, right? They just they they don't really do. Do they do a ton of soloing? Ballroom Blitz, is that them? Yeah, that's them too as well. Wow, Yeah, come on. There's not a lot not a not a lot of big guitar in that either. They got Fo- they got Fox on the run, Ballroom uh, Blitz. Love is like oxygen. Uh Little Willie. Little Willie Willie won't go home. Uh, yeah, it'll go home for me cuz I can't stand so, that. But you see there's nothing about their show, their their songs that stand out as far as a great guitar riff. Right, it's like '60s playing. You know, it's it's one step past the Beatles. But "Fox on the Run" is their most popular song. Okay. All right, here we go. <laughs> hearing anything that's like really guitar driven there at all mitch may not even wake up to play these gigs <laughs> it, it's more of a harmonic harmony vocal type thing yeah so and, and riffs that's yeah. all that is just riffs yeah so here's ballroom blitz of course uh crocus you know covered this and kind of re-emerged it back in the 80s yeah here we go One. Oh yeah, it's like lightning. Everybody was fun. 
identifiable as like a solo breakout oh he's just playing chords yeah that's it so yeah that's that's you know for for a guitarist i i would imagine that's easy enough because there's nothing really identifiable about that you could show up to the show and listen to the song once in your headphones and probably play it yeah so yeah to to try try to mimic Warren D. Martini or or Robin Crosby, yeah, that that would kind of be a pain in the ass because it's like, yeah, if I don't play these note perfect, people are going to start throwing uh, rotten tomatoes on the stage. Exactly. <laughs> uh, here's another one. as far as the guitar is concerned no good songs good simple songs but i guess that was sweet's thing is sweet and simple yeah very easy yeah but but it wasn't like these guitar solos that you know kind of like stood out yeah i guarantee you nobody's going up to mitch perry going holy fuck you're in sweet now jesus (laughs) jesus christ ingve where you been exactly no i'm sure that's not happening yeah so i can kind of understand his uh thoughts between playing in rat quote unquote rat the bobby blotzer version as opposed to playing sweet just so funny that he said yeah i hate this yeah of course because it's like yeah i gotta play note perfect or people are gonna be upset about it exactly i hated it yeah all right here we go if i play around with a song i think the dna in my playing must be similar to Andy Scott's because everything just seems right and seems natural and it's a piece of cake. When I played in Rat, don't get me wrong, I love all those Rat songs, sure. but that, that's not how I play. So it was a real, real chore to have to learn how to play them and make them sound good. And, you know, and that's part of the gig. You know, there's certain gigs you can go in and play and just play your own way and it's fine. But in a gig like that, where Warren is such a great guitar player and such a stylist, you're selling the fans short. If you don't at least try to, you know, 
play the solos the same way because right. they're pretty iconic. All right. Well, I get that. Yeah. I get that, and I like the fact that he was being very honest about that. It's just like, yeah, I don't play like Warren D. Martini. No, he definitely he definitely admitted that. It's like I, I don't have that signature sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I play chords. <laughs> yeah, I play rhythm. I play chords like you might hear during, during sound check. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate the fact that he was honest about it. Yeah, yeah, he definitely didn't um, didn't sugarcoat it. No, not at all. Too funny. Well, good for him, and I'm glad you draw. You know, drew that out of him. Absolutely. That 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 was good. Yeah. Well, I try. (laughs) I liked it. Just listening to that, it's just like, yeah, I I found you know basically what he was trying to say is that. Playing War- Warren D. Martini was a pain in the ass. Right, it's too hard. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a notable soloist. No, <laughs> I'm a guitarist, but I don't play uh, recognizable solos. Right. All right. Fair enough. So there you go. All right. Cool enough. I like it. All right, since we're uh, talking about uh, Rat, mm-hmm. are we allowed to play this new single or not? We are. I got it directly from Eric and told him I would play it. All so. right. Well, uh, Stephen Piercy has a new solo that uh, is in collaboration with our good friend Eric Ferentinos. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's called All That I Want. Yes. And it's very rat slash Stephen Piercy solo. Mm-hmm. And you're going to hear it here first, exclusively <laughs> on the Classic Metal Show. So uh, our good friend Eric sent this over. I actually heard this uh, when I met up with Eric uh, during the Bow Wow Wow shows. Okay. He played this for me over the phone, but it wasn't finished. Right. But uh, I liked it. It's uh, if you like Rat or if you like uh, solo Stephen Piercy, you'll like this song. That's all I can say. All right. What What was your thoughts when you heard it? I'm gonna be honest. I haven't listened to it. Really? No. I just I got it. I I asked Eric for it. He sent it, and I just sent it right to you. I, I figured I'd hear it on the show. Okay. All right. Well, if you like Rat, and and again, uh, I saw people posting it in the chat room. We didn't even talk about this. But I see that Geico has a commercial yeah, uh, where a couple is talking about buying a new house and they have a rat problem. Mm-hmm. And, I saw that. And I actually thought it was kind of funny. Yeah, it's cute. I didn't know who those guys were with Stephen Piercy. <laughs> well, I, I didn't recognize Juan. <laughs> I, I didn't get the reference because it was Stephen and a bunch of other guys. <laughs> But uh, there is a guy co commercial out there. If you look it up, it's called a rat problem. Mm-hmm. But uh, regardless of that, uh, this is a new song that uh, features uh, Steven as well as our good friend Eric Farantinos, who I'm going to assume that he probably wrote this song. I'm going to think that that's true. Yeah. Uh, so uh, here's your opportunity. Look at that picture. 
If you saw that picture, would you think, hey, there's Rat? No, that's Steven with his solo band. And Steven with some other dudes. Yeah. And and when did Eric get a wig? <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. When did Eric get that wig? Right. Because that should be Eric there, not that fucking Jordan guy. I agree. But uh, Eric was so kind to share this with us, so I'm going to share it with you here on the Classic Metal Show. So here's some brand new Steven Piercy solo. This is called... All that uh, I want exclusively here on the classic metal show. (laughs) 